chapter 31 understanding your sheep psalms 139:13 you shaped me first inside then out you formed me in my mother's womb only you can be you god designed each of us so there will be no duplication in the world no one has the exact same mix of factors that make you unique that means no one else on earth will ever be able to play the the role god planned for you if you don't make your unique contribution to the body of christ it won't be made the bible says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts different ways of serving and different abilities to perform service in the last chapter we looked at the first two of these your spiritual gifts and your heart now we will look at the rest of your shape for serving god applying your abilities your abilities are the natural talents you were born with some people have a natural ability with words they came out of the womb talking other people have natural athletic abilities excelling in physical coordination still others are good at mathematics or music or mechanics when god wanted to create the tabernacle and all the utensils for worship he provided artists and craftsmen who were shaped with the skill ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship today god still bestows these abilities and thousands of others so people can serve him all of our abilities come from god even abilities used to sin are god given they are just being misused or abused the bible says god has given each of us the ability to do certain things well since your natural abilities are from god they are just as important and as spiritual as your spiritual gifts the only difference is that you were given them at birth One of the most common excuses people give for not serving is I just don't have any abilities to offer. This is ludicrous. You have dozens, probably hundreds of untapped, unrecognized and unused abilities that are lying dormant inside you. Many studies have revealed that the average person possesses from 500 to 700 different skills and abilities, far more than you realize. For instance, Your brain can store a hundred trillion facts. Your mind can handle 15,000 decisions a second, as is the case when your digestive system is working. Your nose can smell up to 10,000 different odors. Your touch can detect an item one over 25th of an inch thick, and your tongue can taste one part of quinine in two million parts of water. You are a bundle of incredible abilities. an amazing creation of god part of the church responsibility is to identify and release your abilities for serving god every ability can be used for god's glory paul said whatever you do do it for the glory of god the bible is filled with examples of different abilities that god uses for his glory here are just a few of those mentioned in scripture artistic ability architectural ability administering baking boat making candy making debating designing embalming embroidering engraving farming fishing gardening leading managing masonry making music making weapons needlework painting planting philosophizing mechanicality 
inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, writing literature, and poetry. The Bible says there are different abilities to perform service, but the same God gives ability to all for their particular service. God has a place in his church where your specialties can shine and you can make a difference. It's up to you to find that place. God gives some people the ability to make a lot of money. Moses told the Israelites, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. People with this ability are good at building a business, making deals or sales, and reaping a profit. If you have this business ability, you should be using it for God's glory. How? First, realize your ability came from God and give him the credit. Second, use your business to serve a need of others and to share your faith with unbelievers. Third, return at least a tithe, 10% of the profit to God as an act of worship. Finally, make your goal to be a kingdom builder rather than just a wealth builder. I will explain this in chapter 34. What I am able to do, God wants me to do. You are the only person on earth who can use your abilities. No one else can play your role because they don't have the unique shape that God has given you. The Bible says that God equips you with all you need for doing his will. To discover God's will for your life, you should seriously examine what you're good at doing and what you're not good at. If God hasn't given you the ability to carry a tune, he isn't going to expect you to be an opera singer. God will never ask you to dedicate your life to a task you have no talent for. On the other hand, the abilities you do have are you do have are a strong indication of what God wants you to do with your life. They are clues to knowing God's will for you. If you're good at designing or recruiting or drawing or organizing, it is a safe assumption that God's plan for your life includes that skill somehow. God doesn't waste abilities. He matches our calling and our capabilities. Your abilities were not given just to make a living. God gave them to you for your ministry. Peter said, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of, bless- of blessings. At this writing, nearly 7,000 people are using the abilities in ministry at Saddleback Church, providing every kind of service you could imagine, repairing donated cars to be given to the needy, finding the best deal for church purchases, landscaping, organizing files, designing art, programs and buildings, providing healthcare, preparing meals, composing songs, teaching music, writing grant proposals, coaching teams, doing research for sermons or translating them, and hundreds of other specialized tasks. New members are told, whatever you're good at, you should be doing for your church. Using your personality. We don't realize how truly unique each of us is. DNA molecules can unite in an infinite number of ways. The number is 10 to the 2 billion 400 millionth power. That number is the likelihood that you'd ever find somebody just like you. If you were to write out that number with each zero being one inch wide, you would need a strip of paper 37,000 miles long. 
to put this in perspective, some scientists have guessed that all the particles in the universe are probably less than 10 with 76 zeros behind it, far less than the possibilities of your DNA. Your uniqueness is a scientific fact of life. When God made you, he broke the mold. There never has been and never will be anybody exactly like you. It is obvious that God loves variety. Just look around. He created each of us with a unique combination of personality traits. God made introverts and extroverts. He made people who love routine and those who love variety. He made some people thinkers and others feelers. Some people work best when given an individual assignment while others work better with a team. The Bible says, God works through different people in different ways, but it is the same God who achieves his purpose through them all. The Bible gives us plenty of proof that God uses all types of personalities. Peter was a sanguine. Paul was a choleric. Jeremiah was a melancholy. When you look at the personality differences in the 12 disciples, it's easy to see why they sometimes had interpersonal conflict. There is no right or wrong temperament for ministry. We, all, we need all kinds of personalities to balance the church and give it flavor. The world will be a very boring place if we were all plain vanilla. Fortunately, people come out more than in 31 flavors. Your personality will affect how and where you use your spiritual gifts and abilities. For instance, two people may have the same gift of evangelism, but if, if one is introverted and the other is extroverted, that gift will be expressed in different ways. Woodworkers know that it's easier to work with the grain rather than against it. In the same way, when you are forced to minister in a manner that is out of character for your temperament, it increases tension and discomfort, requires extra effort and energy, and produces less than the best results. This is why mimicking someone else's ministry never works. You don't have their personality. Besides, God made you to be you. You can learn from the example of others, but you must filter what you learn through your own shape. Today, there are many books and tools that can help you understand your personality so you can determine how to use it for God. Like stained glass, our different personalities reflect God's light in many colors and patterns. This blesses the family of God with depth and variety. It also blesses us personally. It feels good to do what God made you to do. When you minister in a manner consistent with the personality God gave you, you experience fulfillment, satisfaction, and fruitfulness. Employing your experiences. You have been shaped by, uh, by your experiences in life, most of which were beyond your control. God allowed them for his purpose of molding you. In determining your shape for serving God, you should examine at least six kinds of experiences from your past. 1. Family experiences. What did you learn growing up in your family? 2. Educational experiences. What were your favorite subjects in school? 3. Vocational experiences. What jobs have you been most effective in and enjoyed the most? 4. Spiritual experiences. What have been your most meaningful times with God? 5. Ministry experiences. 
How have you served God in the past? 6. Painful experiences. What problems, hurts, thorns and trials have you learned from? It is this last category, painful experiences, that God uses the most to prepare you for ministry. God never wastes a heart. In fact, your greatest ministry will most likely come out of your greatest heart. Who could better minister to us, to the parents of a Down syndrome children, than another couple who have a child afflicted in the same way? Who could better help an alcoholic recover than someone who fought that demon and found freedom? Who could better comfort a wife whose husband has left her for an affair than a woman who went through that agony herself? God intentionally allows you to go through painful experiences to equip you for ministry to others. The Bible says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. If you really desire to be used by God, you must understand a powerful truth. The very experiences that you have resented or regretted most in life, the ones you've wanted to hide and forget, are the experiences God wants to use to help others. They are your ministry. For God to use your painful experiences, you must be willing to share them. You have to stop covering them up and you must honestly admit your faults, failures, and fears. Doing this will probably be your most effective ministry. People are always more encouraged when we share how God's grace helped us in weakness than when we brag about our strengths. Paul understood this truth, so he was honest about his bouts with depression. He admitted, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. We felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good, for then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us, for he can even raise the dead. And he did help us and saved us from a terrible death. Yes, and we expect him to do it again and again. If Paul had kept his experience of doubt and depression a secret, millions of people would never have benefited from it. Only shared experiences can help others. Aldous Huxley said, Experience is not what happens to you. It is what you do with what happens to you. What will you do with what you have been through? Don't waste your pain. Use it to help others. As we've looked at these five ways God has shaped you for service, I hope you have a deeper appreciation for God's sovereignty and a clearer idea of how he has prepared you for the purpose of serving him. Using your shape is the secret of both fruitfulness and fulfillment in ministry. You will be the most effective when you use your spiritual gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire and in a way that best expresses your personality and experiences. The better the fit, the more successful you'll be. Day 31. Thinking about my purpose. Point to ponder. Nobody else can be me. Verse to remember. First Peter 4.10 God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. 
passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Question to consider. What God-given ability or personal experience can I offer to my church? Chapter 32. Using what God gave you. Romans 12:5. Since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what you are meant to be. Danish proverb, what you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. God deserves your best. He shaped you for a purpose and he expects you to make the most of what you have been given. He doesn't want you to worry about or covet abilities you don't have. Instead, he wants you to focus on talents he has given you to use. When you attempt to serve God in ways you're not shaped to serve, it feels like forcing a square peg into a round hole. It's frustrating and produces limited results. It also wastes your time, your talent, and your energy. The best use of your life is to serve God out of your shape. To do this, you must discover your shape, learn to accept and enjoy it, and then develop it to its fullest potential. Discover your shape. The Bible says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. Don't let another day go by. Start finding out and clarifying what God intends for you to be and do. 1. Begin by assessing your gifts and abilities. Take a long, honest look at what you're good at and what you're not good at. Paul advised, try to have a same estimate of your capabilities. Make a list. Ask other people for their candid opinion. Tell them you are searching for the truth, not fishing for a compliment. Spiritual gifts and natural abilities are always confirmed by others. If you think you are gifted to be a teacher or a singer and no one else agrees, guess what? If you want to know if you have the gift of leadership, just look over your shoulder. If no one is following you, you are not a leader. Ask questions like this. Where have I seen fruit in my life that other people confirmed? Where have I already been successful? Spiritual gifts tests and ability inventories have can have some value, but they are limited in their usefulness. In the first place, they are standardized, so they don't take into account your uniqueness. Second, there are no definitions of the spiritual gifts given in the Bible, so any definitions are arbitrary and usually represent a denominational bias. Another problem is that the more mature you become, the more likely you are to manifest the characteristics of a number of the gifts. You may be serving or teaching or giving generously out of maturity rather than because it is your spiritual gift. The best way to discover your gifts and abilities is to experiment with different areas of service. I could have taken a hundred gift and ability test as a young man and would have never discovered that I was gifted at teaching because I had never done it. It was only after I began accepting opportunities to speak that I saw the results, received confirmation from others, and realized God has gifted me to do this. Many books get the discovery process backwards. They say, discover your spiritual gift and then you'll know what ministry you're supposed to have. It actually works the exact opposite way. Just start serving 
experimenting with different ministries, and then you'll discover your gifts. Until you're actually involved in serving, you're not going to know what you're not going no you're not going to know what you're good at. You have dozens of hidden abilities and gifts you don't know you've got because you've never tried them out. So I encourage you to try doing some things you've never done before. No matter how old you are, I urge you to never stop experimenting. I have met many people who discovered hidden talents in their 70s and 80s. I know a woman in her 90s who runs and wins 10k races and didn't discover that she enjoyed running until she was 78. Don't try to figure out your gifts before volunteering to serve somewhere. Just start serving. You discover your gifts by getting involved in ministry. Try teaching or leading or organizing or playing an instrument or working with teenagers. You'll never know what you're good at until you try. When it doesn't work out, call it an experiment, not a failure. You will eventually learn what you're good at. Two, consider your heart and your personality. Paul advised, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Again, it helps to get feedback from those who know you best. Ask yourself questions. What do I really enjoy doing most? When do I feel the most fully alive? What am I doing when I lose track of time? Do I lack routine or variety? Do I prefer serving with a team or by myself? Am I more introverted or extroverted? Am I more of a thinker or a feeler? Which do I enjoy more, competing or cooperating? Three, examine your experiences and extract the lessons you have learned. Review your life and think about how it has shaped you. Moses told the Israelites, remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. Forgotten experiences are worthless. That's a good reason to keep a spiritual journal. Paul worried that the believers in Galatia would waste the pain they had been through. He said, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not. We rarely see God's good purpose in pain or failure or embarrassment while it is happening. When Jesus washed Peter's feet, he said, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Only in hindsight do we understand how God intended a problem for good. Extracting the lessons from your experiences takes time. I recommend that you take an entire weekend for a life review retreat where you pause to see how God has worked in the various defining moments of your life and consider how he wants us to use those lessons to help others. There are resources that can help you do this. Accept and enjoy your shape. Since God knows what's best for you, you should gratefully accept the way he has fashioned you. The Bible says, What right have you, a human being, to cross-examine God? The pot has no right to say to the potter, Why did you make me this shape? Surely, a potter can do what he likes with the clay. Your shape was sovereignly determined by God for his purpose, so you shouldn't resent it or reject it. Instead of trying to reshape yourself to be like someone else, 
you should celebrate the shape God has given only to you. Christ has given each of us special abilities, whatever he wants us to have out of his rich storehouse of gifts. Part of accepting your shape is recognizing your limitations. Nobody is good at everything and no one is called to be everything. We all have defined roles. Paul understood that his calling was not to accomplish everything or please everyone, but to focus only on the particular ministry God had shaped him for. He said, our goal is to stay within the boundaries of God's plan for us. The word boundaries refers to the fact that God assigns each of us a field or sphere of service. Your shape determines your speciality. When we try to overextend our ministry reach beyond what God shaped us for, we experience stress. Just as each runner in a race is given a different lane to run in, we must individually run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Don't be envious of the runner in the lane next to you. Just focus on finishing your race. God wants you to enjoy using the shape he has given you. The Bible says, be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Satan will try to steal the joy of service from you in a couple of ways, by tempting you to compare your ministry with others and by tempting you to conform your ministry to the expectation of others. Both are deadly traps that will distract you from serving in the ways God intended. Whenever you, use, when, whenever you lose your joy in ministry, start by considering if either one of these temptations is the cause. The Bible warns us never to compare ourselves with others. Do your own work well, and then we'll have something to be proud of. But don't compare yourself with others. There are two reasons why you should never compare your shape, ministry, or the results of your ministry with anyone else. First, you will always be able to find someone who seems to be doing a better job than you and you will come and you'll become discouraged. Or you will always be able to find someone who doesn't seem as effective as you and you will get full of pride. Either attitude will take you out of service and rob you of your joy. Paul said, Paul said it is foolish to compare ourselves with others. He said, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. The message paraphrase says, in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. You will find that people who do not understand your shape for ministry will criticize you and try to get you to conform to what they think you should be doing. Ignore them. Paul often had to deal with critics who misunderstood and malinged his service. His response was always the same. Avoid comparisons, resist exaggerations, and seek only God's commendation. One of the reasons Paul was used so greatly by God was that he refused to be distracted by criticism or by comparing his ministry with others or by being drawn into fruitless debates about his ministry. As John Bunyan said, if my life is fruitless, it doesn't matter who praises me. 
and if my life is fruitful it doesn't matter who criticizes me keep developing your shape jesus parable of the talents illustrates that god expects us to make the most of what he gives us we are to cultivate our gifts and abilities keep our hearts aflame grow our character and personality and broaden our experiences so we will be increasingly more effective in our service paul told the philippians to keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding and he reminded timothy kindle afresh the gift of god which is in you if you don't exercise your muscles they weaken and atrophy in the same way if you don't utilize the abilities and skills god has given you you will lose them Jesus taught the parable of the talents to emphasize this truth. Referring to the servant who failed to use his one talent, the master said, Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Fail to use what you've been given and you lose it. Use the ability you've got and God will increase it. Paul told Timothy, Be sure to use the abilities God has given you. Put these abilities to work. Whatever gifts gifts you have been given can be enlarged and developed through practice. For instance, no one gets the gift of teaching fully developed. But with study, feedback and practice, a good teacher can become a better teacher and with time grow to be a master teacher. Don't settle for a half-developed gift. Stretch yourself and learn all you can. Concentrate on doing your best for God. Work work you won't be ashamed of take advantage of every training opportunity to v- develop your shape and sharpen your serving skills in heaven we are going to serve god forever right now we can prepare for that eternal service by practicing on earth like athletes athletes preparing for the olympics we keep training for that big day they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades You're after one that's God eternally. We're getting ready for eternal responsibilities and rewards. Day 32. Thinking about my purpose. Point to ponder. God deserves my best. Verse to remember. 2 Timothy 2:15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. and who correctly handles the word of truth. Question to consider. How can I make the best use of what God has given me?